Welcome back to Moneda Moves. Today we're going to talk Latinos and business in 2020. At the start of the year, you could say our demographic was, and I'm not going to be humble here, crushing it. I remember this story from USA Today titled Puro Cash. Latinos are opening more small businesses than anyone else in the U.S. Here's an excerpt. Latino small business owners like Orlando Osornio are the fastest growing group of entrepreneurs in the U.S. Latino entrepreneurs contribute 500 billion with a B to the U.S. economy. And over the last year, the Stanford study found Latino-owned businesses reported a 14% average revenue growth, outpacing the growth of the U.S. economy. In a country with roughly 60 million Latinos, Latino business owners grew 34% compared to 1% for all business owners in the United States. And they were applying for more loans than ever to grow their businesses. Our representation in the world of small business could not be ignored. But seven months into the year, Latino small businesses are among the most devastated by the economic effects of COVID-19. So joining me on this episode is Xiomara Peña, California Program Director and National Entrepreneurship Director for Small Business Majority. We speak about Latino small businesses, how they've been surviving, best resources to use, and what the recent boycott against Goya products could mean for these businesses. Stay tuned. No te lo quieres perder. You're listening to the Moneda Moves podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Alfaro, and here we'll be talking about Latinos, money, and our role in the American economy. I'm a multimedia producer living in New York City, and we're going to be covering Keeping Cuentas, or tabs on all things Latinos and money in the U.S., speaking with potentes, or the next generation of entrepreneurs, and Monedita, how to put your money where your mouth is and support the Latino community. Welcome to the show. No te lo quieres perder. I think it's important to talk a little bit about Latino small businesses pre-COVID and then during COVID, how we've dealt with it. Could you talk to us a little bit about the landscape pre-COVID? Yeah, pre-COVID, I mean, Latino small business owners were one of the fastest growing groups and particular Latina women as well. And the reality is that even prior to COVID, the Latino community faced some significant discrepancies in obtaining the financing that they needed to grow their businesses. We know that Latino-owned business, small businesses with employees accounted for 4% of U.S. business revenues, generating $470 billion in revenue and employing about 3.2 million people. We know that over the past 10 years, the number of Latino enterprises grew about 34% when compared to 1% for all other business owners. And interestingly enough as well, LULAC estimates that millions of Latino-owned businesses will see their sales drop to $0, pushing them to go out of business because of this crisis. So prior to the crisis, you know, we had this strong um, business growth, um, people of color, you know, three times up, we're creating um, businesses at a very fast rate. And, and so it shines a little bit of a light as to, you know, what we may be expecting as part of the crisis if solutions and pragmatic policy recommendations are not adopted. 
Right. And this figure that you bring up, I think, is from Stanford University, the 34 percent figure in comparison to one percent um, of business growth for all business owners in the United States in the past 10 years. Now, that's an incredible rate right there. And the other thing is that Latinos more than ever were applying for small business loans to launch or grow their operations. So the need for loans wasn't purely a COVID thing. This is this is very much a need that they needed to continue to grow their businesses. In terms of loan application, how have small businesses fared when they try to apply it to these loans, and in particular, the administration loans, like the PPP loans? Yeah, I think one of the things that the pandemic has made clear and the PPP loan process, it has shined a light on the discrepancies in access to financial services for women and minority-owned businesses that did scramble to find ways to keep their businesses afloat. Uh, reports have shown that while PPP was intended to be a lifeline for small businesses, little of it has made its way to the hands of Latino and Black-owned businesses. Um, we're also re witnessing in real time the long-time historical trends that is unequal uh, lending play out via the PPP program, right? So the program itself, the Paycheck Protection Program, leveraged an existing system of lenders and financial institutions that were approved by the SBA um, to provide access points to folks to be able to reach, uh, receive the federal loan programs. While the SBA did a great job adding additional lenders, um, the reality is many, uh, many uh, community members from, from the Latino community and from other um, minority uh, communities may not have had established relationships with those financial institutions and thus were you know essentially placed at the back of the line uh, when we think about them applying for the the loans i think there was a great stat the center for responsible lending estimated that small businesses without employees accounted for uh, 95 percent of black owned firms and 91 percent of latino uh, owned firms were most likely to face challenges in accessing the paycheck protection uh, program in the first initial round and so we know that for some minority small business owners ppp was the first time they had even ever sought to access a bank loan to support their enterprises which i think is in uh, a unique uh, data point to point out the question around the PPP funds in, in general, you know, when we're thinking about equity um, and whether they were distributed in an equitable fashion, I think when we look at the numbers uh, recently released this week, uh, the SBA showed um, some significant data about um, where the money went. But one of the pieces that I think is also incredibly important that's missing is around uh, comprehensive demographic information and details about how much a uh, borrower requested versus what they received. You know, one of the pieces of, of information we've been asking uh, business owners to uh, share with us has been, you know, of the, of the PPP fund, funding that you were looking for, did you get it? And that's, it. interestingly enough, we have seen uh, some, we have heard some stories from business owners where they didn't get the exact amount that they were looking for, and there wasn't necessarily a, um, a clear-cut reason as to one lender may have extended more of the PPP dollars, or one lender got a you know, lower offer, um, et cetera. So you're saying that we, it would be helpful to have more information about how much money was asked and how much was delivered. Um, Correct. 
yeah, it, a lot of the headlines that we're seeing, right, and and there these like very to to be fair, like very eye opening headlines are about all these public companies that did receive these PPP loans, and it does it, it doesn't really seem like loans that were meant for small businesses should have gone to some of these companies like Ruth's Steakhouse, like Shake Shack. So uh, when we think about the best way to help Latino small businesses moving forward, and we know that the PPP loan program has been extended to August 8th. Is is this a way for, for Latino small businesses to get help moving forward? Or are there other venues that people are starting to explore? Well, if Latino small business owners haven't applied yet for the PPP. I would encourage folks. It is a good product when we think about, you know, having a significant portion forgiven, if not all of it, um, you know, and essentially it can be a grant if you apply and use it correctly. And there are some resources out there that can help you structure yourself to get it. Um, so it's still a, it, an option for some folks. And we know that met, there are now a number of community development financial institutions that are also playing an active role in connecting our under-resourced uh, populations to gaining access to these loan products. So with or without a, a traditional banking relationship, you might be able to work through one of these responsible community lenders to be able to tap into the dollars that you may need. So PPP is, is still a, a loan option. We know that there are several um, funds that are being established as well that provide grant dollars. And so one of the pieces of, of policy recommendations that Small Business Majority has been looking at um, addressing has been this need for grants, you know, rather than adding debt to um, adding debt to a business. And so we have some recommendations around how to, uh, we do have some robust reforms to the PPP program. So that, for example, one thing that we can think about is um, allowing the smallest businesses and the most need to apply for a second round of PPP funding or prioritizing small business owners of color um, to be able to tap into the remaining funds or automatically forgiving all loans under $150,000. We know, you know, many in our community uh, aren't going to be applying for a million dollar PPP loan. They don't, might not have a hundred employees. And so mm -hmm. uh, these are just some of the, the fixes. Uh, some of the things that we're seeing entrepreneurs also look at is uh, state backed uh, capital. And so uh, here in California, for example, our a governor initially allocated $50 million for our iBank program, which is essentially a way to guarantee a, uh, a repayment of the loan either through the state if that loan is defaulted. So it incentivizes the lenders to make loans, it de-risks them from making some of the loans to businesses. And so um, now there's $100 million in that, in that fund that is being uh, given out in cost. It, they are loan products, but they are very affordable loan products. And there is an incentive for our lenders in the state to be participating. And so, you know, I know other states are, are doing, um, are leveraging some similar programs. And then again, the grants are very, very, um, good places to tap into as well. And we've seen those pop up on through the corporate side, through philanthropy, through, on a regional basis, on a hyper-local basis, um, et cetera. 
Now, it's good that you bring up California because California is one of, when talking about Latino small businesses, California is obviously one of the most essential places to talk about. I mean, there are more than 800,000 Latino small businesses across the state employing more than half a million people. For the small businesses that in general you've seen, and I don't know what research you have for this, but like in general, the business that you've seen survive the pandemic, what are what have what tools have they had in order to be able to stay afloat during this time? Well, robust robust assistance, I think, is one of the things our our state has made some significant investments uh, to supporting small business owners. Um, I do want to start off by saying, by by nature, entrepreneurs are very resourceful and innovative. And despite the challenges that they are facing right now, we know that many will not give up. Um, however, you know, we also recognize that more assistance is going to be needed from the state and federal governments to ensure that Main Street businesses are thriving again. Um, currently, you know, one of the only meaningful resources I talked about specific to California is the state loan guarantee program through iBank. One of the commitments that the governor recently uh, made was um, supporting or the governor's task force on business and jobs recovery has uh, put together a campaign calling all Californians hashtag shop safe shop local which essentially created a one-step hub to connect business owners to um, free business consulting uh, you know, a partner connecting them to digital media toolkits. Uh, there's industry guidance. There's access to purchase PPE through another um, one of the great initiatives that the governor has supported. Um, there's an opportunity to find some of the resources to expand your digital footprint. And so we're seeing that these are all tangible steps to solidify that the businesses here in the state of California have some ability to, you know, build some business resiliency during this time. Um, and we are seeing that this is one, these are some of the concrete ways in which the state is supporting our, our business owners in the state of California. Now, Samara, shifting gears a little bit and moving more so to the spenders, right? Uh, I think there's still a lot of monetary power and I think there have been a lot of conversations about how we spend on our money and what that means, especially in the recent years. I'd like to talk about the Goya boycott, but more as a backdrop. Um, so for, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this podcast aware, but for those who don't, um, the owner of Goya went out and publicly um, supported Trump. So a lot, there has been Goya boycott, the hashtag trending on Twitter, as well as Goya way. Um, and so a lot of people are planning on doing uh, taking stock and deciding whether they want to continue purchasing Goya. How does this, what does this mean for small business owners of anything? And as, as, as purchasers and buyers think more about how they're spending their money? Yeah, I think one thing that we pride ourselves in, in knowing, and I always, it always fascinates me is the fact that small business owners recirculate 52% of their revenues locally compared with 16% of revenues from national store chains. When you, and we're seeing this shift as well happen where we're seeing, you know, cu customers go out and support um, entrepreneurs of color, businesses that are diversely owned. Uh, we are seeing that shift. Um, and, you know, we're seeing that through social media and through other, um, through other, 
through other mechanisms that, that are showcasing that that is uh, a way to leverage your consumer power. Um, also important to note that this idea around supporting our local communities, because when you support your local small business, you are essentially supporting local job creation in your backyard, you're supporting, you know, family that's going to spend money in the community as well. And so I think that many folks are, are, are seeing that be a substantial benefit to the overall community. Um, this idea around customer spending and purchasing power, I think that a lot of communities are taking stock of their purchasing power and working in block. And, and so, you know, I always just like to pivot to, to point to the fact that small business owners and entrepreneurs of color are by and large a really great investment for folks. Definitely. Now, Zimara, as someone who's been working with small businesses for quite some time and small business majority, what would you say to, what message would you have to small business owners, but especially new small business owners who may still be kind of trying to figure it out and trying to figure out how they're going to stay afloat because it's clear that COVID will be with us for quite some time? Well, it is, it is clear that COVID is, is going to be here for some time. I think one of the things that we have really been uh, connecting folks to is technical assistance resources. You know, this is a great time to rethink your business model, make investments to expanding your digital footprint. Um, it's a great time to think about you know, how to um, support your employees and your customers in ensuring that health and safety is at the, as, at the core or the forefront, um, because I, I expect that we'll see some spikes and I'm by no way a health expert, but um, based on the data that we have seen released, you know, we'll continue COVID until there is a viable um, vaccine, I think is going to play a role in business activities and in our overall activities as, as uh, people. And so for small businesses, regardless of the industry that you're in, you know, this is a great time to um, look inward at the business. I want to share a quick story. I had a, a chance to connect with uh, the owner of Via Roma and Cambalache Grill, which are two restaurants here in Southern California. And you know, as re being in the restaurant industry, they've faced their significant challenges. But one of the things that they've been able to do was early on, they pivoted, they had a little market section in their restaurant to keep their business listed as an essential business. They've continued to this day with that small market style operation. And many customers have told them like, I actually prefer getting my groceries here rather than the market because I feel like I'm supporting you, my local small business. Um, and so that's one of just, that's one idea. I think there was another business owner I spoke with just this week as well. And they spent this week completely redoing, revamping their business model. And they worked with a small business development center, which here in the United States, that is a resource that every state should have a local SBDC funded by the SBA. These are our tax dollars at work. 
folks should be connecting to these resources because they can plug you in with one-on-one -on -one technical assistance to look at the business model or look at you know um, digitizing part of your features or functions as a business. And so this one business that I can think of um, in the entertainment um, in the entertainment industry mentioned the fact that she was able to revamp the business model completely, um, has developed new ways to engage her staff because now they're all working remotely. And so that has been a shift, a culture, a culture shift, um, and has also adopted some new products that previously weren't used in the past, which have increased productivity, interestingly enough. And so those are some, I think, learning from other entrepreneurs as to building business resiliency is one of the ways that folks are continuing to um, be innovative and be creative in adopting to the times. Um, and so I would just say, you know, those are some of the concrete ways that, that some folks have let us know they're, they're staying in business not just in the Latino community, pivots across the field is what we've seen. And, and those, those businesses that, that we have seen survive, luckily, uh, are ones that have made some pivots and some adjustments to their business. So it's great to hear that that's something that's happening in California. And also, I mean, side note, I looked Gambalache Girl up and it looks incredible. Now, talk to me about Support Latino Biz. It was created to raise awareness around the economic impact of Latino businesses how is it being carried out and where can we learn more? Um, as the National Latino Entrepreneurship Director, I look at building programs and supporting initiatives that have the goal in mind to support Latino entrepreneurs and support Latino business is one of those initiatives that um, was launched last year to really raise uh, awareness around the economic impact of Latino businesses in the United States. And as, a, a, as part of the advisory committee, we have, I have been, have had the tremendous opportunity to um, get to meet others that are working towards advancing equity and economic mobility through the power of entrepreneurship, which has always been key to the Latino community and the American and reaching the American dream. And so uh, Support Latino Business also has a series of um, Instagram events that they're hosting. Um, and you can visit the website to find out more information at supportlatino.biz, B-I-Z. Siomara, thank you so much for your time, for sharing your insight here. And to those listening, to my Moneda Moves listeners, if this comes to show anything, it's how important it is to support your local Latino biz. If we help them survive now, they can eventually someday thrive in a post-pandemic world. But for now, be sure to check out your local online biz, your local restaurant, eatery, bodega, keep them afloat. It is so, so very important. But until then, we'll catch you on the next one of the moves. See you next time.